you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer with big design small budget here's your host betsy helmuth hi guys happy president's day week i love celebrating days like these with a lazy time off but this week even though it is slower because a ton of people are on vacation We are working here at Affordable Interior Design. We are working hard to create lovely designs for our clients. Today, I worked on a client who's based in Tennessee. And then yesterday, I was helping someone in Washington, D.C. So there's never a dull moment over here. And hopefully, you're keeping busy as well. We have had so many questions come in recently about bedrooms that I have decided to devote this entire broadcast to boudoir dilemmas because we have quite a few and a lot of them are somewhat interconnected. So I'm going to launch right in without further ado. But certainly, if you have bedroom questions, if you have any questions at all, send them to Betsy at AffordableInteriorDesign.com. I love getting your questions. I love talking about what you want to know about. So feel free to join us on Instagram at Affordable Interior Design. Feel free to send questions you know, to our Facebook Messenger or just post them on our page at Affordable Interior Design or, of course, send them to me directly. Once again, that's Betsy at AffordableInteriorDesign.com. So here are some emails that I received directly not so long ago. Let me dig in. My first one comes from Margaret. She writes, Hi, Betsy. I am starting to listen to your podcast and I love it. I want to reach out because my husband and I are moving into a new apartment and we are redecorating our bedroom. We just bought a new king bed and it has a pretty diamond tufted headboard in a medium gray color that's not a dark gray but also not a light gray. It also has black silver nail heads on it. We are struggling with which color nightstands to buy. Do the metals have to match? Also, what color dresser would pair well? We are looking to see if you have any guidance on suggested color schemes for the whole room, rugs, dressers, etc. Any advice would be most welcome. I have attached photos if that helps. Thanks, Margaret. 
First of all, let me say, Margaret, that the photos do help. So I have a really clear sense of this very stately king-sized headboard, and it's gorgeous. It does have really deep tufting, which adds to that regal, opulent look. It looks like it's kind of a woven fabric. And the nail heads, while they're called black silver in your email description, which I don't actually know what that means. Um, I've looked at a lot of nail heads and a lot of beds, and I've never seen any described as black silver. Based on the pictures I'm looking at, these look bronze. These look like an oil rubbed bronze that has that darker type appearance, which I would normally lump into the dark metal family, which is wrought iron, oil rubbed bronze, bronze of any kind. Now, bronzes or dark metals play very well with warm metals, warm metals being brass, coppers, golds, but they do not play well. I do not like mixing them with any cool cool metals like silvers, nickels, chromes. I think based on not the description you gave me, but rather the picture, that this is a dark metal family. And so you may only mix it with brasses and tones like that for the whole room. So that doesn't just mean hardware on a nightstand. That also means drapery rods. That also means, you know, picture frames if they happen to be metal. That means elements on a lamp if that happens to have any metal, which it usually does, whether it's the um, frame of the harp or the rod that leads to the switch. Typically, there are some elements of metal, and I try and completely exclude any cold metals when I'd be working with this headboard. That being said, you ask what type of texture or color for the nightstand. And while I can't tell you exactly what to do, because there are many, many options, I can tell you exactly what not to do. Because this headboard is gray, what we're going to want to do is avoid any gray nightstands. So I wouldn't do a gray painted nightstand. I wouldn't do a gray wood stain nightstand that you can see the wood grain through. I would avoid those completely. You could do white. You could do a color, like a painted blue or red or green or whatever, you know, floats your boat, even though those will tend to be more rare. You could do a mirrored nightstand, except that most mirrored nightstands tend to have silver hardware to complement that silver shine. Uh, so you'll want to look for a mirrored nightstand that has dark metal finishes, which will limit your selection severely. The other thing, of course, you could go for, which is going to be what you'll most easily find, is a wood tone, right? And you want to coordinate the wood tones with the other wood tones in the room. It sounds like you haven't really picked much for this room. It sounds like everything's up for grabs and you're starting from scratch. Uh, so you could go for that light wood family, the mid-tone wood family, or that darker wood family. Just make sure that you select one and stick to that family and don't mix and match light and dark woods, for instance. Uh, what's very popular right now, what you're going to find the best selection of and the best range of both price points and styles is going to be a light wood tone, something that's more rustic or kind of that modern farmhouse look. Or you're going to find a lot of mid-tone woods, that walnut, that acorn, that mid-century type styling. So these two kinds of wood tones are going to give you more options. 
and they're going to perhaps um, not look as dated. Dark woods almost instantly look dated at this point. If you're going to go dark, you might as well do black. In terms of coloration for other things, which you mentioned, like rugs and artwork, you know, Margaret, that I am going to tell you, you need to find that inspiration piece. You need to find that piece, be it a rug, a pillow, or, you know, artwork that would have three Roy G. Biv, meaning rainbow colors or more. That will serve as your inspiration piece. From there, you will derive all the other colors. I will tell you that I would not make the bedding your inspiration piece. So often people say, Betsy, I'm recovering from a cold, by the way, guys. So if you hear my voice, you know, fluctuate in octaves or you hear me coughing or clearing my throat, well, tis the season. Anyway, um, what I was saying about that is that so many people tell me, Betsy, I have this beautiful bedding and it's got three colors or more and I can't wait to use this duvet cover. And my concern with this is that you wash bedding so frequently that it gets worn out more than say your artwork, your drapes, or your rug in the room. And so then when you switch out that bedding, when you lose that inspiration piece, you basically have to find more bedding that has that exact same color palette, which can be quite complicated. So typically I make the bedding a solid, a foundation of white sheets and then a duvet or comforter or blanket that has that solid color and I make the rug, the artwork, the drapes or that accent pillow my inspiration piece. So Margaret, I hope that even though I didn't tell you exactly what to do, I hope that I've pointed you in a pretty clear direction. I have a question that has come in live from Misty. Misty writes, hello, I love your podcast. We are building a new house. Should we add beams to our great, I'm sorry, to our two-story great room? We just got the fireplace covered with stone all the way up to the ceiling. So it draws your eye up. If we should do it, should we do a coffered beam or straight beams? Well, Misty, this is a difficult question because beams are an architectural feature of the home. So it's very important that you look at the home's architecture and let it tell you what to do. What era is your home? What style is your home? Are there beams in other places? What do those beams look like? How ornate is your home? How classic is your home? How simple is your home, right? My home is very simple. Even though it has some moldings, like a small crown, and it has very chunky baseboards, other than that, it has very simplistic architecture. Nothing is over the top or ornate. So I would be avoiding the coffered beams if I were going to add that to my space. But also because I don't have tall vaulted ceilings, I wouldn't even consider beams. In fact, I was just working with that client today who recently bought a space in Tennessee and she has beams there. And the problem with beams is that sometimes they can create a visual correlation with the furniture below. They can visually divide the space in a way that doesn't actually physically divide the space. And so they can limit you in some ways. And in her case, the beams really did limit us. They can limit you visually from doing some things that you may want to do in the future. Uh, In other words, she had this living dining combo space. And we wanted to put the table, which was going to be a very grand piece. She likes to entertain. She likes to have dinner parties and have people for the holidays. So we were going to put the table in one orientation 
And the beams actually go in an opposite orientation that would kind of cut the table. And it wouldn't cut the table visually in half. Rather, it would cut it at this weird sort of third mark. But spatially, if we're just looking at the floor plan, it's what makes sense for the room and for her lifestyle. But the beams are visually telling someone, wait, this table's in somewhat of an awkward location, and also it's going to make it weird to then put lights, drop lights from the ceiling to illuminate that dining table. It just makes it feel less formal and less intentional because the beams are directing us in a different way. So I would say be wary of adding beams. Be sure that's something that you feel is needed. Finish decorating the rest of the room first and wait and see because it may have a negative impact on your furniture placement. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, beautifying your home for less, styling your home, and the fundamentals of feng shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. All right, let me get to my next question, which is in the old mailbag here. And again, going back to bedrooms. So Simone writes, Betsy, I just bought my first home and soon after I found your podcast and binged. Thank you. There are a ton of episodes and I am learning so much. You mentioned in a few episodes that you are anti-matching furniture sets, but unfortunately I have one. I bought it years and years ago in my master bedroom, and the set includes the bed, one nightstand, and one of those dressers that has a mirror attached. How would you style such a room so that it isn't so matchy-matchy? Thank you, Simone. Yes, I hate bedroom sets. Contrast is king, as you heard me tell Margaret. We don't want an all-gray room. Right? So that's why I recommended she not get gray nightstands since she already has a gray upholstered headboard. And in your case, you know, it sounds like everything is wood, Simone. So that's a very dominating texture and color to have throughout your space. I would recommend that you keep the set. It sounds like you need to. Uh, but instead, break it up with other things. So for instance, on top of that nightstand, you could put a lamp. Now, if the nightstand is a brown wood tone, the thing we know we're never going to do is add a wood lamp. And we're also never going to add a brown lamp because when we squint, there is no contrast. Everything looks like you shopped at the chocolate factory, right? Instead, what we want to do is incorporate a new texture or color so we're seeing contrast. That means you'll do a ceramic lamp that's any color but brown 
You'll do a glass lamp. You'll do an iridescent lamp. You'll do a metallic lamp. There are lots of options, but when you're layering things throughout this room, you want to avoid using more wood because you've already got enough of that with these doses sprinkled throughout the space. So you want to make sure to avoid wood, avoid brown. In other words, if I'm going to put a tray on the dresser, which I would recommend that you do so that way it does break up that large chunk of brown. When you put that tray on there, of course, again, you're not going to do a wood tray. You could do a wood painted tray so that it's a green lacquer or a red lacquer or a blue wood painted tray. You could do a glass tray. You would not do a mirrored tray. And why? Because you have a mirror that's attached to the dresser. So that, again, would be redundant. We're looking for new textures, new layers to add to every single moment throughout a space, not only in our bedroom, but also throughout the home. All right, let's move on to my next question, which is from Sydney. Sydney has written, Betsy, I want to hear your opinion on mirrored nightstands. Do you feel that these look cheap? Where is the best place, in your opinion, to shop for nightstands? And is this a piece that you would recommend that someone invest in? I think the bedroom is a great place to invest money. Unlike the living room, which gets a lot of traffic from a lot of people and also gets stains and spills from snacks and drinks. The good thing about a bedroom is it doesn't generally, depending on your lifestyle, get wear and tear like that. Typically, these pieces are going to last you a little bit longer. And also, typically, so many of these pieces in a bedroom have drawers, whether it's a nightstand, whether it's your dresser, whether it's a storage bed. And anything with drawers, you do want to spend a little bit more money on to get that quality. You don't want a drawer that catches every time you pull it out. You want to have something that is reliable that you will enjoy for the amount of time that it's going to last. I do like mirrored nightstands. I think that they're classic. I think that they're timeless. I think that they work best with a traditional aesthetic or a transitional aesthetic. I feel like the ones that look super modern look a little 80s. And um, so there you go. But I think that mirrored nightstands can look cheap if you buy cheap ones. I don't love the ones from Pier 1. I wouldn't get mirrored nightstands from Wayfair or Overstock. I would splurge a little bit so that they don't go cheap, so that they do go classic and timeless. I love the Parker mirrored nightstands from Pottery Barn. They also have another mirrored nightstand I like there. I like Z Gallery for mirrored nightstands. They have a lot of glam style furniture that I do feel is really good quality when you get it because the price point is a little bit higher there. I also like Our House, which is spelled A-R-H-A-U-S. They have great quality and some of those glam transitional touches. Where else? Um, Ethan Allen might be a good choice, <clears throat> even though they are a little pricier. And for just nightstands in general, I do love room and board, even though cha-ching. And I do like Macy's. Macy's is such a good option <clears throat> for these wood case goods because the quality is there and the price is low. It's always going on um, sale. And they do have pretty good customer service. Macy's is a nice option for bedroom furniture. Just don't buy that set. 
Okay, Sydney, I hope that helped. And I have another live question from Paige. Hey, Paige, good to hear from you. Paige is a friend from back in the day. Uh, Paige writes, hi, Betsy. I am dreaming of the spring and summer to come. I'm debating the pros and cons of a ceiling fan in my bedroom. I hate the way most of them look, but I have found some options I think I could live with, especially for the trade-off of a cooler bedroom. Talk some sense into me, please. Page, page, we go way back. You know that I am not one of those designers who thinks about pretty before practicality. I pride myself on thinking about practical before pretty. So many designers, if you're watching TV, if you're watching the shows, they say, never use a ceiling fan. Those are hideous. They're awful. You know, you're going to read that in House Beautiful magazine and you're going to say, oh no, but it would really make sense for me. And it's so much better than the chill of my air conditioning. I am here to tell you I completely give you the green light to do a ceiling fan. The key is you want one that's in proportion to the room. So make sure you don't get one that's overly large because many, I happen to know you live in New York City, and many New York City apartments have small-ish type bedrooms and they really can't take that 55-inch diameter blade of a ceiling fan. You'll probably want to skew more like a 44 uh, but I think not only can a ceiling fan give you that comfort level you're hoping for, give you some options in terms of circulation, but also it can be a way to add illumination. I don't think that overhead lights are evil, unlike some of my designer comrades, right? I think overhead lights can be essential. It's just that you want to put them on dimmers so that you can control how bright it's going to be. And you want to augment them with lights, lamps that are sprinkled throughout the room at a human level so it doesn't feel like you have this interrogation spotlight above your bed, even if that's something you may be into. Once again, we're open to different lifestyles and different uses of a bedroom. Whenever I talk about designing in a bedroom, I have to talk in generalities and it sometimes can get a little bit awkward, but you know, this is just for most people's lifestyles and you know, you can, uh, Take from these tips what you will. But I think a ceiling fan would be a great option, and there are lots of nice ceiling fans available on the market. I, for one, have ceiling fans, at least four of them in my home, and I find that they really are a nice alternative to immediately going for the AC or to just being uncomfortable. I would recommend looking at Lamps Plus. I would also recommend looking at build.com. They have a wide selection. You can narrow by size. You can narrow by metal finish because you know I don't want my cool metals playing with my warm and dark metals. We don't want those mating, if you will. Did you like that? Did you like that? Um, that pun I used there. So um, yeah, go ahead and do it. You have my blessing. All right, let's get to one last question. Oh, this one's really long. Okay, my last question in the mailbag is really long. Let me see if I can do a shorter one. Okay, here's a shorter one. Hi, Betsy. I really enjoy your podcast and I received your book a few days ago. I am obsessed. I am currently in the planning stages of redesigning my nine-year-old's bedroom. I found this awesome Phoenix wool durry rug at West Elm for my inspiration piece. His room is currently painted Benjamin Moore Whipple Blue. He has a dark red bed frame and I plan on buying the hymnist dresser in gray for his clothing. I would like to pull out orange as my 30 or 10%, but I wasn't sure what the third color would be. Do two shades of blue count as two colors? Maybe that's a silly question. Maybe I just answered my own. 
I would love to purchase the orange East at Maine's Web Acacia Wood Accent Table as his nightstand. I was curious what your thoughts are. I'm now thinking the dark blue should be my 60%, but I am new at this and I would love your feedback. Thank you so much. I'm so glad I found you, Suzanne. All right, Suzanne, Whipple Blue from Benjamin Moore is very saturated and very dark. When you choose that as your wall color, which I think could be bold and could be awesome, but since you have chosen that as your wall color, we automatically know that that 60-30-10 color palette equation, the 60 is going to be the Whipple Blue because it's all over the walls and that is a huge dose of that color. So that has already been decided for you. Now the next thing you want to decide is what the other two colors will be. You seem very tied to orange and blue and orange go very well together because they are complementary colors. They're on opposite sides of the color wheel, which means that they invoke a feeling of energy. They're automatically always compatible. It's why you see them a lot for school colors. For instance, Syracuse orange is orange and blue. The McAllister Scots were orange and blue. So they'll just commonly be companion colors. My problem with them is that they are an energetic combo, right? That's why you see the cheerleaders in them. That's why you see the football players in them. Complementary colors are stimulating. And that may not be the vibe you want in his bedroom. My son could sleep through anything. He loves to sleep. He has no sleep issues. I could paint his entire room with orange and blue stripes and he would sleep like a baby. So if your son is in that same boat, I say go for it. But if your son has trouble sleeping or, you know, doesn't want to sleep like my daughter, I would avoid adding in that complementary color of orange or I would make sure that it's the 10%, those smallest doses of that pop of color. Blue is the most soothing choice for a bedroom, so I think doing that dark, saturated blue, a lighter shade of blue, and that 10% pop would be a lovely look. I also think it would be less juvenile than, say, doing a 60% of the dark blue, um, 30% of another Roy G. Biv color like red or yellow, and 10% orange. I think that could look a little Crayola box. Uh, so... You might find that doing the two shades of blue is the way to go, or you might find that you don't do such a bright orange. Maybe you do something that's more like a rust, which could feel more saturated and more mature and less Crayola-tastic. All right, guys. It has been such a pleasure talking to you guys today. I hope my bedroom answers have solved all your boudoir dilemmas. If they have not, you know where to find me, Betsy at AffordableInteriorDesign.com. And I will catch you next week. Bye. You've asked for it, and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, You're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. 
Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out. Follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.